second Bible reading tonight is Psalm 4. Um, it can be found on page 568 of the Pew Bible. For the director of music, with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. In your anger, do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord. Make me dwell in safety. Well, uh, thank you again for uh, having me uh, with you here tonight. It's great to, great to join you this evening. Uh, as, uh, as we mentioned just a, a couple of moments ago uh, in, that, in that interview with John, uh, tonight we are considering the topic of sleep, a whole sermon on sleep, um, uh, which I admit, I admit it, it may raise a few eyebrows for some of you there. Uh, some of you might be thinking at this moment that, you know, if I'd known that we were having a sermon about sleep tonight, I might have stayed home and, and gone to bed early and got a little bit of extra sleep rather than coming along. Uh, others of you here uh, might think, oh no, there is, a, there is a relationship between sermons and sleep in that that's what I usually try and get, try and get a little bit of uh, during the sermon. But it's not something that we perhaps expect to spend a, spend a whole evening spend a whole sermon uh, thinking about, is it? I mean, how much is there really to say on the whole topic? Well, you might be surprised that actually there is quite a bit to say on the issue of sleep, which is not surprising really, uh, considering that we spend about roughly one third or so of our lives doing it. Uh, You might be familiar with the phrase, the gospel changes everything. Uh, It's the idea, as we were talking about a moment ago, that there's no such thing as Sunday Christians, but the gospel, the Christian faith, is meant to touch and shape and change every aspect of our daily lives. So how does the Christian faith, has the gospel changed the way we think about sleep? How does it change the way that we sleep? Uh, Really, that's the question that we're considering in these few moments now together this evening. And it's a question that the Psalms in general, and Psalm 4 in particular, uh, help us answer. Psalm 4 really is our our starting point tonight and where we'll be spending most of our our time together, so it'd be good to, to keep that open there if you can. But we'll be touching on a few other passages and a few other Psalms as well, because it's, it really is a theme right throughout a number of the Psalms, the idea of sleep. And Psalm 4, if you've got it open there, it opens with the psalmist explaining his context, his situation. Uh, He's in some sort of distress. See verse 1 there? Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. 
Which raises the question uh, for us, well, what is causing the psalmist to be so distressed? Uh, well, the commentators, the experts on the psalms, they, they suggest a variety of different options, different possibilities. But let me run through three with you that I think perhaps are most fitting, most possible. First possible reason for his distress. He's distressed because his reputation is being slandered. You see verse 2 there, how long will you people turn my glory into shame? He, he addresses in that verse the people who are, who are causing his distress and he says, you're turning my glory into shame. Uh, glory is just another way of thinking about reputation, how people see you, how people perceive you, what they think of you. And the psalmist says that my reputation, how people perceive me, how people see me, my glory, it's being turned into shame. It's being maligned. People are perhaps going about spreading rumours about him or maybe it's the case that there are lies that have been told about him that are going unchecked and not corrected. Perhaps the distress is in part born out of the fact that his reputation is being, being slandered, it's being ruined. That would cause distress. Or a second possibility, uh, distress because of financial concerns. You see verse 7 there, he talks about the abounding grain and new wine of those who are causing his distress. Their grain and their wine, it is abounding, he says. Uh, They're wealthy. And the fact that he points to their wealth and, and makes a point of it would suggest that certainly in comparison to them, uh, he doesn't have very much. And so, maybe this wealth disparity is a factor in his distress. Either because, very often the case is that the rich will oppress the poor, that might be happening, but but maybe also uh, it's because the rich are going around splashing the cash while he doesn't have very much. And he's keenly aware of their plenty in contrast to him. Maybe. Uh, Distress could be related to finances. Or a third possible reason for distress. Distress because he's being opposed by people who worship other gods. You see the psalmist, he worships the true God, the God of heaven and earth, the Lord, uh, but he is surrounded by many who don't. I don't know if you noticed throughout that psalm the frequent allusions to the worshipping of other gods. Verse 2, for example, it talks about false gods. Uh, Or verse 5 has a reference to right sacrifices, hinting that there are wrong sacrifices being offered uh, in his context around him. And verse 7, many of the commentators think that that comment about grain and wine is actually a reference to Baal worship. Uh, Those are the sort of things that would be offered in worship to Baal. And so the distress of the psalmist uh, perhaps also is because he is being opposed by those around him who worship other gods, different gods from him. Uh, He is in the minority and the peoples and the nations around him are worshipping other gods and so uh, they have different priorities, different concerns, different ways of living and, and that is leading to his distress. A variety of possibilities, perhaps all of them, are combining to cause him to open this psalm with this cry out, I'm in a state and a situation of distress. Reputation being slandered, finances perhaps an issue, opposition from worshippers of other gods. 
the sort of distresses that can keep us awake with worry. Either because we might stay up late trying to solve those distresses or waking up in the middle of the night concerned by those distresses. Let me uh, make a confession to you. I'm not a particularly uh, good sleeper. Uh, In some ways, this sermon is born out of uh, our own personal quest to try and find uh, answers to a good night's sleep. Uh, But a deep conviction combined with that, that God's word has something to say about all aspects of our life. There are a variety of different distresses that might keep me uh, awake at night, keep me up at night trying to solve them or wake me up with concern in the middle of the night. Some similar, some different to that psalmist. Uh, Distress because of a slandered reputation. Um, Perhaps self-inflicted. I don't know if you've uh, been in the experience where you've said something the day before and uh, something you said and you play it over and over and over in your mind, the consequences of it, of how you might be perceived in light of, of what you said and what you did and how that might affect how people perceive you and think of you. Or perhaps even the, the, the slander of others. Um, rumours being allowed to be spread about you that are not being corrected, being left unchecked. Uh, if you've experienced that before, uh, you'll, that might cause you distress and concern and worry. Or perhaps related to that idea of reputation is the idea of perhaps trying to build or create an impressive reputation by our, by our work, by our study. Staying up late, studying hard, working hard, because through our work, through our labour, through our study, hoping to build an impressive rea- uh, reputation in the eyes of others hoping to prove our value and our worth to others. So reputation, whether it's being attacked by others or by our attempts to try and build and prove it, can be the kind of thing that can keep us up late with worry or wake us up with concern and with distress. Or perhaps distress because of finances. I confess that I have lain awake in the middle of the night on more than one occasion thinking about financial concerns running through uh, bank balances and bills and expenses in my mind, keeping me awake. Or perhaps it might be staying up late, working, taking on extra responsibilities, extra shifts, so that our sleep is impacted by our quest for cash. Or a common distress which keeps us awake is work. Um, all the tasks, all the responsibilities, all the essays, all the assignments that we might have currently before us that we need to do, staying up late, trying to get on top of it all, waking up with concern or worry about the, the, the responsibilities that lie ahead of us the next day or the next week or over the next course of the month, worried about whether we can manage it all. Or perhaps a distress which keeps others awake, not necessarily in this psalm, is, is ailing health, perhaps our own health, or perhaps the health of others which concerns us and worries us. Or perhaps like the psalmist, awake with worry over the uh, derision that you might be receiving or others might be receiving because of your faith. Mocked by others who worship different gods. Reputation, finances, work, assignments, responsibilities, health, all sorts of things that can cause great distress and concern and worry for us, can't they? 
and so impacts upon our sleep. The psalmist was in distress and yet look at how the psalm finishes. Verse 8, in peace I will lie down and sleep. In peace I will lie down and sleep. Peaceful, restful sleep in the midst of this distress. The distress hasn't been solved in the course of this psalm. No, it's still there. But in the midst of this distress, in the midst of these concerns, these worries, these anxieties, he can still say, I can sleep peacefully. I can go to bed and sleep in peace. How on earth do you get that kind of restful, peaceful sleep in the midst of distress? Well, it's because the psalmist has learnt the secret to a good night's sleep. And what's the secret? Well, in this passage here, there are two great truths which transform all of our life and shape all of our life and also impact upon our sleep. What are they? Well, firstly, number one, it's finding ultimate joy, ultimate satisfaction, ultimate pleasure, not in our reputation, how others might perceive us, not in our finances, not in the things we own or we earn, uh, and not in our work, not in our uni results, not even in our health. Rather, it's finding our ultimate joy and our satisfaction in God. You see verse 7 there? He says, you, addressing God, he says, you, God, have filled my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. There's a comparison that's going on in that verse there. He's comparing two things. He's saying rather than wanting more of what those who are distressing me, those who are oppressing me have got, grain and wine, he says, I'm going to rejoice in what I have got plenty of and that is a heart filled with joy in God something no one can take away from me. He says, it's you, Lord God. Not not the reputation which is perhaps being slandered and ruined, not finances which they may have more of than me, not even the, the mocking that I receive from them that is going to be the measure of how joyful or happy or satisfied that I am. No, he says, it's you, Lord God, you who fill my heart, my life with joy. So if I don't have those things, it doesn't matter because I've got you, the ultimate thing. I love the words of Psalm 73 which capture this idea as well. Whom have I in heaven but you and earth has nothing, to, uh, nothing I, I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Heaven and earth has got nothing compared to you, Lord God. So I'm a fool if I you know, madly chase after all those things that others have got in the hope that they're going to make me happy, in the hope that they're going to alleviate my distress. No, he says, you, you fill my heart with joy. And so because of that he goes on to say, I can sleep in peace. Because I'm filled up with joy in God, I don't need to stay up late trying to pursue other things that I think might satisfy me and give me joy. I don't need to wake up with worry that other things that I had thought might give me satisfaction and joy have been taken away from me or I don't have them. 
Now I'm filled up with joy in God so I don't need to lie awake with worry about how to get more of those things. Instead I can sleep and I can sleep in peace, he says. That's the first reason, the first secret uh, behind why he can get a good night's sleep. But there is another one there in that psalm and in some ways it's the really big one, the key to his good night's sleep. Verse 8, he says, I sleep in peace because... You alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. You alone, only you, Lord God, keep me safe ultimately. Only you are the one who ultimately protects me, guards me, watches over me, keeps me. Those words there in verse 8, those are the words of someone who has entrusted their whole life into the hands of a sovereign loving God who is in control of everything, aren't they? He says, you alone, only you, God, can keep me safe because only you ultimately control all things, look after all things, rule over all things, not me. That's his point there in verse 8. I wonder what it would mean for us to just... Grasp this truth every moment of every day. How it would change the way we live and also change the way we sleep. That God is God. He controls all things and I don't. That he is the creator and we are merely creatures. Friends, I have found that clinging to this truth, embracing this truth, living in light of this truth, is wonderfully liberating, wonderfully freeing because I can let go of all those things that might consume me and I can rest and I can sleep in him who's in sovereign control of it all, not me. What is it that keeps us awake at night? What keeps us up late into the night? Well, oftentimes it's trying to get on top of things. Or cause us to wake up with worry in in the middle of the night. Things like work, home, study responsibilities and wondering about whether I can possibly keep on top of all these things. Trying to keep on top of everything keeps us up late at night. It wakes us up with worry in the middle of the night. But here's the secret to a good night's sleep. You can't keep on top of everything. I can't. We're not God. We can't manage everything. We can't control everything. And, you know, it's our attempts to try and do so that that keep us up later than we should or cause us to wake up with worry in the night when we should be sleeping. A few years ago, there was a man by the name of John Brennan who was appointed as the head of the CIA in the US. Uh, And prior to that uh, role, he had all sorts of uh, experience in in uh, counter-terrorism, national security, plenty of credentials uh, for the job. I remember watching the the press conference where the US President Barack Obama uh, was introducing John Brennan and announcing that he was the man for the job. And uh, in that press conference, Obama was outlining his credentials, why he he was the man for that job. And during that press conference, Obama said this uh, of, of Brennan. He said, I don't know anyone who works harder than him. He once told me, I don't do downtime. 
I'm not sure he slept in four years. In this press conference, it was obvious that that this was a badge of honour for this man. How hard he works, how little he sleeps. Uh, It was to be commended. It was to be a badge of honour for him. This is why he's the guy for the job. And you perhaps have encountered that. That this kind of lifestyle is what is esteemed in in our world today. Certainly in the modern workplace. Uh, If you're in the workplace, you'll know. Uh, It's true. Uh, Why is it that we esteem such a lifestyle, hold up that person as being so valuable and so great, the one who works so hard and never sleeps? I think it's because we want to try and create the illusion that we're all in control. That, you know, we are the ones who run everything, we're the ones who keep the world turning and our world deludes itself into thinking this is the case. Trying to create and maintain this impression that somehow I'm in control of everything. I'm on top of it all. And so the one who sleeps the least is the one who wins. Uh, They're the one who must really be on top of things. And then you get sick. Uh, Run down from overwork or, or study, a sudden illness that just... Uh, cuts you down in your stride or the results that you had been striving so hard to achieve, they, they didn't eventuate or we suddenly find ourselves at the mercy of the elements, bushfires, floods, natural disasters or, or for parents raising a child, raising them to know and love Jesus and, and love us as their parents only for them to turn around and, and walk away from it all. And that illusion that we had everything under control is just shattered by all of these things. I wonder if you've ever wondered why God made us to need to sleep for at least one third, around one third of our life. It's not a particularly efficient design, is it, when you stop and think about it? Uh, You make humanity in your image to rule over the world under you, but for one third of the time, they're going to be useless, not able to accomplish and do anything. Imagine you're designing something, some sort of prototype for uh, something through work, and and you go into your boss and you say, I've figured it out, this thing is brilliant, it's going to do the job, but only two thirds of the time. One third of the time, it's going to be useless. Your boss is going to turn around and say, well, get out of here and come back and tell me when it works 100% of the time. So what was God thinking? To create us in his image, rule over his world, but one third of the time we're going to be useless. What was he thinking? Was he even thinking? Yes, he was thinking. And this is what he was thinking. Sleep will be a daily reminder to my creatures that I am God and they are not, that I control everything and look after everything and they don't and they can't. And I wonder sometimes, the fact that we have to sleep once a day, that God's built this reminder into our lives on a daily basis, might suggest that maybe we're particularly forgetful creatures and God knew we'd need to be reminded at least every 24 hours that he's God and we're not. Psalm 121, another psalm, says this. 
says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. The God of the universe, he doesn't sleep. He doesn't need to because he sovereignly controls all things. But we don't. And so we do need to sleep. You know, when you come to the New Testament, you find the very same truths being taught by Jesus, perhaps most explicitly in Matthew chapter 6, our first reading this evening, where Jesus addresses our worries, addresses our anxieties, addresses the things that might cause us to stress and he says, don't worry, do not worry. You worry about all these things that you need. You worry about so much. Your heavenly Father knows your needs and he's sovereignly in control of all things. He's got it covered. And if a a, a daily reminder of sleep isn't enough to remind you, well then every time you see a flower or every time you see a bird, let that be another reminder that if God's looking after them, if God sovereignly cares over them, then of course... Of course, he's going to sovereignly look after and care care for you too. He is the unchanging, sovereign God in control of all things. So, don't worry, but rest in him and sleep. The American pastor, John Piper, writes this. He says, once a day, God sends us to bed like patients with a sickness. The sickness is a chronic tendency to think we're in control and that our work is indispensable. To cure us of this disease, God turns us into helpless sacks of sand once a day. How humiliating to the self-made corporate executive that he has to give up all control and become as limp as a suckling infant every day. Sleep is a daily parable that God is God and we are mere humans. God is not honoured by overwork and burnout. God is honoured by us working hard with all that he has entrusted to us. Whether we find ourselves in paid employment, a student studying, in voluntary work in retirement, or the demanding work around the home. God is honoured by us doing our work well and with all the strength and the abilities and gifts that he has given us. But he's also honoured. And at the end of the day, we let go and we entrust the running of the world into his sovereign hands and we rest in him and we sleep. That is a truth that I need to constantly preach to myself and remind myself of. But it might not be a problem for you, maybe, or maybe not, yes. If so, that is a great blessing. But me, I am terribly forgetful of this. And I need to constant reminders that God is sovereignly in control of all things and not me. And so, perhaps you're in a stage of life of study. Yet to enter that workplace where those who sleep uh, the least are the ones who win. Where that is the, the philosophy. That is the way of thinking. So, let me encourage you, if that's the stage of life that you're in, to be reminding yourself now, to be reminding one another now, But that uh, is an illusion uh, that so many try and create and it can be so quickly shattered 
And so we need to keep reminding ourselves and one another of that wonderful, liberating, freeing truth that God sovereignly in control of all things and not us. So rest in the sovereign God who has everything under his control. And you know where you see it most powerfully? You see it in the cross. Where if there's ever uh, a moment where we're reminded of how we can't do it, we can't do it all for ourselves, then it's there on the cross, isn't it? Where Jesus dies in our place to restore the relationship with God, which we could never do, but only he can do. So look to the cross, look to Jesus, remind yourself of the sovereign God who runs all things, be satisfied in him alone and so enjoy a good night's sleep. I want to lead us in prayer. Father God, we confess that uh, we can be forgetful creatures and we can forget that you are ultimately the one who keeps this world spinning, not us. We think that our striving and our, our daily labour uh, does that, but we, we want to remind ourselves afresh tonight that you're the one who looks after all things. You control all things and you know our needs and you care for us and you provide for us. So, Father, we pray that we might be people who trust each day and each moment in you, the sovereign God, and so be people who rest in you throughout our working days, but rest in you also at the end of the day and be people like the psalmist who lies down and sleeps in peace. Amen.